and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. No, do you know what? I think if you play Alan and Mikel, everything will be fine. It's episode number 229. And we're here again, aren't we? It's Schrodinger Stoke. The team who you never know what you're going to get. Actually, probably unfair. Schrodinger's famous experiment determined that a cat in a box, its status unknown, can be both seen as dead or alive. Whereas Stoke City, you always know what you're going to get. And it's only infrequently that you seem to stumble upon something that creates a little bit of joy. (laughs) Here to help me through this existential crisis. No Dave, because life... And no Tony, because still poorly. So please, do send him your best wishes. Instead, as usual for these episodes, it's just me and you, Statman Tom. How are you doing? Um, First off, please don't call me Statman Tom. That Is it because it's close like to... Statman Dave. I'm gonna, that, I thought it sounded close mm. to Scatman John. Uh, but then, I, I mean, that's all right. Unless he's mm. a really questionable character, which... I have you no know idea. What? Most famous people from... Before now, it's a safe <laughs> assumption, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I thought your intro was amazing. That was, that was really good. No, oh, thank you, thank you. And I think I'm going to do an intro for everything that I say tonight because I think it needs to be kept in mind. Is that I wouldn't really be too upset about a loss against Barnsley or Brentford. I think um, we all know Brentford are a good team and they've probably been the best team constantly in this division since we came down. And Barnsley do everything right and in in, in their recent um, iterations under their, their new manager are a very good football team. Um, so I think it's worth bearing in mind that the result of a loss against both of those two teams is something that I don't think in and, in and of itself is a terrible thing. The manners of the loss, on the other hand. <laughs> should we do some should we do some three word reviews before we before we dive in to what has been a pretty poor week in terms of results and just general ability on the pitch. Let's start. We have well, let me start with Mark uh, Barker on Twitter, who has sent us five three-word reviews. And I like them all. <laughs> Leave Mikel out, lacking forward quality. Out the deadwood. Cancel Vokes contract. Playoffs, no chance. Then we go on. Next season, please. Seasons back off. Uh, not good enough. Well-organised. Toss. That was good, that one. Winless in London. We're still shit. Very, very boring. Three points dropped. This is, of course, in relation to the to the Brentford game. Uh, another disappointing result. Mid-table mediocrity. Play the youth. One that Tony won't like. Timon, ain't it? 2022, our year. Please bench Mikel. Season is redundant. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, it's... It's another one of those weeks, Tom, where after the the joy of beating Wednesday and Luton, um, we sit here having come up against, and you quite rightly say, two very decent sides. Like Brentford, obviously, are a, a quality side who were pushing for promotion last season and just came undone. Barnsley are a team who 
they overperform and they regularly overperform. They they have a very similar model of operating that Brentford, albeit maybe on a on like a, a a rung just below where Brentford are in terms of reputation and and that type of thing. But they're they're overperforming. They are certainly overperforming this season. And so yes, you are right. In in itself, a result against either of these two these sides is not the end of the world. But everyone is very, very dejected in those three word reviews. And I completely get why. What is I think I said to you before we started I have no stats to back this up, but you would assume from the financial position that Stoke City find themselves in that our midfield alone is on more wages than, uh, well, at least a vast majority of Barnsley players, like, combined. What is... Why are we not playing like that? What is going... What's going on? Is it? Is it... Martin O'Neill, not Martin O'Neill. We've never it's had definitely him. Not Martin it's not Martin O'Neill. O'Neill. It's definitely not him. It's Mike. Is it? Is it Michael O'Neill? Is it old players? There's the. What's going on? Why? Do, why? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, oh, that's quite a big question. Um. Why it's always the big we... questions when it's you and me, Tom. Yeah, it is. Why aren't we Barnsley or Brentford? Um. <laughs> Imagine several years ago. We're playing right-coloured kits for both of them, so there's one step. Imagine, like, after that 6-1 win against Liverpool, if we'd have <laughs> been able to tell our future, tell ourselves then, you know, in a few years, you're going to pine over Barnsley and Brentford's recruitment model because of how catastrophically yours is in comparison. I put a tweet up because I like Twitter. Um, on uh, I think it was um the other the other Stoke City podcast, the Potters podcast. Um, they tweeted something along the lines of, uh, "What is it that Brentford do right that Stoke have done wrong?" And and uh, Blase said they got rid of the academy, which you know doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Uh, but they got rid of an academy and they went purely on stats based recruitment. Whereas we signed Kevin Vimmer because we'd heard of him. <laughs> and I think in a nutshell, I mean, it's flippant, but I think in a nutshell, that sums up how I certainly feel about, I, uh, come on, yeah, you talk for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I know, I definitely agree with that. I do feel, um, having been, um, on Twitter at least, one of the more vocal, um, stats-driven people on, on, on Stoke Twitter, definitely a hostility to it and i feel a lot of these type of oh why aren't we brentford tweets like the answer to them won't make them very happy it's like because they use numbers and um have used numbers and have trusted numbers they didn't sort of float into the space of numbers appoint a manager on that basis and then go after nine months and some really horrible runs of forms oh look it's brighton um just just uh, they just have done things right and have done them for so long. And I'm going to put my hands up and def- start by defending Stoke because it's only going to go downhill from here. It seems, it seems we're on that track right now. Now, um, I, I don't know if you want to get into it straight away because it's an us pod, which means we just talk about big things and ignore the matches. <laughs> but I, my proposition, my hypothesis 
is that this summer is going to be the most significant transfer window the club's had since our first summer in, in the championship. Mm, mm. I do, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, and, oh, 100%, 100%. And, there is... and not just in a for O'Neill and building towards the playoffs, but we have, um, and I think I tweeted it, we have eight players over the age of 30 whose contracts expire either in the summer, so that's Chester and Mikel, um, and then we have six more whose expire next summer, which, let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head, Fletcher, McLean, Allen, Klukas, uh, Bart... Oh, I've missed one. Probably someone who's okay. Anyways, and, and the point is that, that we're at this time in the summer where we probably need to just let all of those go or accept for the ones for the six whose contracts expired next summer that they're going to play a role for us for a season and then we're going to let them go for free what we really need to do significantly and i feel to do so would to not do so would be to be making exactly the same mistakes as we made when we came down to the division is to not give them new contracts because if we give them new contracts we're tying them down to the club probably on wages that they're not worth I'm looking at you, Joe Allen, um, and just tying ourselves in knots, which is exactly what we did in that first summer. And if we do it again, it doesn't matter who your manager is. I think that, and I think that's the thing. That's the other thing. Quite, I don't know if Stoke fans have paid attention to this because you know we're not all Nathan Jones files um, like me. But um, Nathan Jones's Luton Town were down to down two goals at half time on Saturday. Uh, he changed it back to the diamond and they won 3-2. And I think it's something nice about this as we continue to all argue over old, tiring players and the same old, terrible recruitment system that, that has cursed our club for so long that Millwall are on a fairly good run under Gary Rower. Nathan Jones is going back to what he knows and is doing well. It's just that nice little illustration that if we make the same mistakes as we've made before in recruitment this summer... It doesn't fucking matter who your manager is. We won't. We won't ever <laughs> no. do well. No, we'll I know. no prosperity. But I think as well, you've got because people will jump at you for bringing up Nathan Jones there, and oh, here he goes again. But the fact of the matter is, even L- Luton are a similar club in that they they are not expected to to be a heavy hitter financially, and so they have to be clever in the recruitment market, and so they. I mean, like it's it's. I know that the term "moneyball" and all that stuff is kind of like branded as as hipster and and stuff, but that is essentially it's it's analytics in recruitment. It's looking at way, ways where they can exploit an area of statistics whilst also being quite quite cheap on the thing. Looking for undervalued stats. It's it's a model that more and more clubs. Have, have tried to implement and I and I and I agree with you and I feel that we have certainly with some of our recruitment of younger players it feels like we've tried to move that way but even even then it seems like we're this weird hybrid mashup where we 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 don't we haven't come in and and radically changed how we re, how we recruit Maybe because of the, maybe because it's a transition period. Maybe because these things take time. I 
I'm not an expert on uh, on what it takes to change a whole system within a football club at all, and and that's fine. All I all I know is a passing interest in some of this on some of this stuff. But it feels like you know we we went we went for uh, like a Jordan Thompson, who a player who oh maybe they could do it up a level. They're still quite young. Granted, there was probably a, an element of O'Neill knows this player. Um, Jacob Brown's another one. Oh, I wonder how he can do it at a bigger club. But then you go for like Obi Mikel, who is. I'm sure a really good hand backstage, <laughs> to use a wrestling term there, he, he, you know, I'm sure he is brilliant around the training ground. I'm sure having a professional like that there is is great. But it just seems to be this clash of ideologies. And I don't know whether that's an O'Neill thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is because it's, it's, it's almost as if we have... We've brought in like new ideas for recruitment, but we but with the likes of Tony Scholes and that's still there, we can't let go of how it used to work. I I, I don't know. It we're not really talking about Brentford game here, are we? But it's but I think that the Brentford game is just emblematic of like so many other problems that and, and it's and it's such a contrast because of the team you're playing. I, I think I think that uh... Again, something to mention that I probably should have included in our first thing is that um, we we conceded two screamers, which ultimately means in both games, um, which means when you actually look at the stats, you can say we were unlucky if you want to be like raw XG, XG is everything, which is, um, which we're unlucky. And obviously the reaction to that kind of goal going in, et cetera, is, is important to how a team performs. Um, but yeah, I think you are onto something with the with the Brentford point perfectly because I watched that Brentford first half and I saw eleven players who bought into the ideology who'd gone. This this is what our manager wants us to do. This is my role, and I will execute it. And they did for forty five minutes, mm-hmm. and they did an amazing job. It looked like um, it was very similar to how. Um, Michael O'Neill's Northern Ireland tended to play mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. Germany. They always seem to be playing Germany. They always seem to be in the same group as them. And they always did that. <laughs> it, they pressed it, them really high, but then also dropped into a nice, comfortable, deep block. They seemed like fitter than us. They seemed. I, I hate to use that terminology of "oh, they wanted it more," but they just seemed to come out in this because the first, like, like if we're being fair, the first half. We were okay. We limited them. We got we that. Were, I think we were the better team. I, yeah, I, I, we, I'm comfortable got, saying that. Yeah, we got that. We got that early goal. We were able to stop them from getting any real chances, and we we looked we looked fine. And the annoying Brentford commentary team, who absolutely <laughs> did my head in all afternoon, uh, bring back the Rotherham team is what I say for every away game. Um, they was they made that point, and it was like, oh, you. You've said it, and it's going to ring true. Uh, I don't see Stoke being able to keep this level of defensive positioning and whatever up for another 45 minutes. Lo and behold, second half, Brentford come out with renewed energy because, of course, they do. They want to get take the game to us. We crumble, and we don't look fit. We look... I know we, we laugh about Allard and Mikel 
and that in midfield. But we looked old. We looked slow and cumbersome and old. And yeah, like Brentford just took it to a, took it to a different level that I don't feel we have. And I think it was really telling um, that it, it 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 was Jordan Thompson who we missed in the midfield. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got Alan and Mikel who. Alan's supposed to be this workhorse who will never stop working. He's just gonna, even if even if his technical ability wanes or something like that, he's always gonna work. Mikel, he's a winner. All he does is win. He's won everything. He knows exactly how to win a game. And yet it's 23, 24 year old Jordan Thompson who's come up from Blackpool who gets subbed off because he's on a yellow card and because the system was reliant. And when you can make five subs, I think it's fine to be reliant on a system where you go, Rather than you lot having a counter attack, I'm gonna take your legs away and get booked. Um, it was him who who we we lost our heads with. We couldn't cope with him off the pitch, um, and this is it. And this is why I talk about those over thirties because I don't know what they bring to the team anymore. Mm. I, well, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I never really knew what Alan brought to the team, and to bring it back to the recruitment <laughs> conversation. I understand that we look at it now and it's like, well, Mikel, that doesn't add up with moving in a younger direction. And I thought you could argue that it does if you say it's a short-term deal, it's a short-term stopgap. Maybe Mm. you've got a young player you see ready for that mould who just needs guiding and Mikel can cover until then. But it's the Mikel and Allen every single week. And it's like, well, what's the point? What's the point of doing good recruitment if that's all you're going to do? You're going to pick those two every single time something doesn't go your way. I completely get bringing in an old veteran to, to help guide the younger younger generation and and instill some like footballing values in them i completely get that that is fine and again i i am sure john obi mckell is a fantastic professional like you i have not heard anything to the contrary he and the same with joe allen you you are always told what a fantastic bunch of, of lads they are how how great they are to be around they they all that all that stuff. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of it in an actual game, I, it just feels like... It feels like we banged on for years about how the midfield lets this side down, and it just seems to still be the case. Um, and so, like, I, I'm not against the principle of signing veterans on short-term deals, but they can't be the... They can't be the, the majority. And I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be going forward, but... It just, I don't know, it strikes me as just really odd and annoying. I have one hope with the whole season, and I think I have might have said it on here before, is that it's not actually our fault that O'Neill keeps picking these players. And it's not his fault either. Well, obviously, it's his fault, but I'm trying to explain his motivation for it. Because everyone else, and I definitely have said it because I can now remember pleading with the teams in the playoffs to be better, but because everyone in the playoffs has been shit, like Mm -hmm. we've been shit, Mm -hmm. we've never really been cut adrift. Now, I think we're seven points adrift now. Barnsley also have a game in hand that can make us nine points adrift of the playoffs. Have we now finally reached that stage where O'Neill goes, we're out, We, we cannot reach the playoffs, I need to stop leaning on these players who I 
think or know are good leaders on the pitch and rely on them and go freebie for the rest of the season. We're safe. We're on 45 points. We'll get those five more points to be safe and just give it to the kids. Now, the thing that that, that scares me in relation to that is the fact that Sam Vokes has been brought on twice this week mm-hmm. when we're trailing to, to change the game. And that is where I, I is where I do get worried because there has been zero evidence from Sam Vokes for a year, let's say, and that's probably being generous and um, that he can change a game of football mm. and, and win a game for you at this level anymore. Um, and, and we have a young kid on the bench whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that speaks to him because we don't really know what quality he bring, he brings, but how could he be much worse than folks? I think that's the thing. I don't know how he could do much worse. This is, yeah, I mean, this is just it. I think Sam Vokes is also another one who is em- emblematic of, of this recruitment issue in that we spent goodness knows how much on, on him as a 29-year-old as a on a on a what was it, a three-and-a-half-year deal at the time? With rumours in- rumors that the reason Burnley were letting him go was because his performance whether that be actual like numbers on the pitch or physical performance levels had sort of dropped mm-hmm. and were and and when they drop at that age they just go down like there's no recovery it's just that's the end of your sort of physical peak performance and end of career should be yeah yeah and yet and i hate that this seems a cliched thing but you look at like the likes of ivan tony for Brentford and they young player they bought him from a lowered league who you know he, he's, his stats at Peterborough were great they bought him for I, I, I don't know the amount but it was less than Sam Vokes they brought him in he's performing on that upward trajectory because he's young and improving not on the downward spiral like Sam Vokes who wasn't performing at a level higher above us and isn't performing at this level. It's just... it, uh, Yeah, the, the, the contrasts between the two clubs, the three clubs, if we include Barnsley in it as well, couldn't be more apparent than, than in this week. My only hope... I'm, I'm annoyed at the manner of the defeats. I'm annoyed because we just ran out of energy and it was just... you. When they got their goal, you just knew the direction it was heading in. And I think the Stoke make me feel very apathetic at the moment. But I'm still banging the drum of this is a long-term project. As much as O'Neill has done some things that annoy me, and I get stressed out with him bringing Vokes on, and I'm stressed out with his team selection, I'm, I'm nowhere near like questioning his appointment as manager. Not at the moment, anyway, because... Like <laughs> what you get rid of him, and I think, in fact, let me let me quickly quickly look. Some who who Robin Tunstall said to us today. I think Martin O'Neill is still not no Michael O'Neill. <laughs> Flipping heck, I think Michael O'Neill is doing a good job still. It's a long term process because no one else at the club has an actual long term plan. Even if O'Neill lost every game until the end of the season, we can't sack another manager. Just imagine how many players we would have out on loan then. And that's just it. You can't... 
we we can't just go through the same cycle over and over because then the club never gets fixed. I think the thing that, yeah, I, 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 and I mean, I don't even currently feel aggrieved that we didn't give Nathan Jones this time, if that makes any sense. And I'm using that not as a point about Nathan Jones. I'm using that as a point about, I don't think criticism laid at O'Neill in a, well, he needs to go kind of manner is at all the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, you, you're entirely entitled to your opinion. Crack on with that. I'm never going to get annoyed at a fan for getting annoyed at um, wanting a manager gone because people did that to us mm-hmm. when we wanted Hughes gone and mm-hmm. we were right. So maybe people are right about O'Neill and that it won't actually come good. But the thing yeah. that does mind not, and this is where I hope with Alex Aldridge and the direction of the recruitment team, is that it does change because it all feels so inevitable now, this is entirely massaging my own ego, um, but I'm going back to some tweets I did, uh, oh, which I, I deliberately filed these away last weekend because we'd won twice on the bounce, but I dug them out. 5th of June, 2020, 2020 no, 2018. Uh, so this, this was the day Stoke City announced that Joe Allen had signed a contract extension before we played okay. the game. Okay, the, here we go. In the championship. <laughs> and this is, this look is at my, the smug look on your face. This is my tweet. I really do hope he proves me wrong, but keeping Alan on Premier League wages seems in no way worth it to me. I then went through some stats, which basically showed that he wasn't leading the Premier League for anything you'd expect a centre midfielder to be leading in. Um, and I said, I don't really understand what role he's supposed to play. And I went on to say, I'm not trying to say he's a bad player with these stats, just that A, he doesn't really excel at anything, and B, is he worth being one of the best paid players in the division? I suppose he excels in the intangibles, work rate, etc. But like those intangibles are only useful if they produce something, and it's hard to say that Alan has added anything to the squad results-wise. We average less than a point with him in the side. Just a quick uh, addendum in the 2021 version of that. We're doing that again with Joe Allen starting, um, averaging less than a point a match. And I, and I finished it saying, um, ending this by truly playing devil's advocate, could Allen's agent have played a blinder and got Joe guaranteed Premier League wages amid very little Premier League actual interest? Now, ignoring that and ignoring me just basically saying that because I wanted to say, ha, 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 told you so to everyone. But this is the problem with the contracts. And this is why I think it's so important for this summer because I feel players like Joe Allen and Sam Vogt are entirely entitled to take a ridiculous offer that we clearly have put in front of them because that's mm. what we've been known for in this division, having this massive pulling power because we're loaded and we can pay you yeah, what yeah, we yeah. want because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going straight back up. Look, look at um, the video of Benikafobi last weekend where he left Wolves, Stoke were going to pay him more. In the championship. Wolves, Wolves, who that, that season finished in the European places, were paying Benicophobia less than we wanted to in the championship. I hope, I hope that this that there has been a change and there has been a realization that never mind um unsuccessful it's unsustainable. It mm. points you in the direction of the Sunderlands, the Boltons, the Wiggins, the Portsmouths. Doing shit like that takes clubs decades to recover from mm-hmm. and doesn't. there's no guarantee of recovery. Mm. Like you no. can just get stuck down there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have no right to be 
where you are. Now, I don't think any of them fell as hard as we did either, which again makes it so damn frustrating um, because uh, it's just some of the ways, some of the, the, the things like Leicester going from freak Premier League winners to, to regular European side based purely on doing things the right way. Like you can take the Premier League win away. That had very little role to play. That squad got ripped to shreds pretty much in the next season. And they just did things the right way. And you feel that there's so much missed potential with us in just refusing to step up. And, 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 and last point for, from my diatribe. Um, you mentioned about Moneyball and how it's um, hipster in, in that way. And I know you don't actually mean it. I know that that's the criticism that's labelled mm, after it. Mm. The thing with Moneyball is it starts in baseball and it no longer gives you an edge in baseball. If you aren't doing it, you're finishing last because everyone's doing it now. Same happens in basketball. Mm-hmm. Football's yep. pretty much there. That if you yeah, aren't yeah, yeah. if you aren't playing the modern game, recruitment wise, anything else wise, you'll just be left behind. Now we might have done that, but obviously it takes a long time for these things to pan out. But if we don't do it. We might not stay in the championship. Never mind. Mm. Look at going back to the Premier League. Well, this is, yeah, because this is the thing about that model of, of of recruitment. Brentford and Barnsley have uh, they adopted that method because they did not have the financial pulling power of Stoke City, let's say. And it's using the stats to their advantage. And as you say, other teams look at the model and say, "Oh, I like that." We'll adopt it as well. Teams with similar levels of financial pulling power to us. By rights, and this isn't to sound arrogant against Barnsley, who I genuinely like a lot as a football club, but if we are operating in the same recruitment model as a Barnsley, then if we came up for the same player, more often than not, we would get that player, pull power-wise. It's just... So it's not like we cannot... We cannot operate in that model. It's just that we don't seem to be there yet. And as you say, I very much hope that that is the direction that we're we're heading in. Not because I want us to get bargain players who we can sell on for a price, but I but I genuinely believe that buying players who have still got room to develop is a much better model for a football team who's looking to improve than buying players who are on the way back down who are who are looking towards the tail end of their career it's very rare that you can make an in, make a decent squad out of players who are coming towards the end of their career you need you can have one or two of those players at at most who help balance the squad and help teach the people on the way up but you can't it <laughs> All the time, you know, again, I, I feel silly in bringing up professional wrestling, but it is another passion. But so often they bang on about when a wrestler is coming towards like the end of their career. It is not about them having big runs for the title or something nonsense now. Their career goes into this path of, right, how can I put the new generation over? What can I do to... Because, because this this business in the wrestling term will be here long after I've retired. This football club will be here long after John Obi mikel has gone. 
And so how do you, how does a player like John Obi Mikel prepare the next lot of players for the future? And that's kind of how you need to you need to look at it. And so when I look at our squad with Vokes at thirty one and Fletcher, albeit he's been great, but at thirty three and John Obi Mikel at thirty dunno and James McLean with his 25 year deal and him being like 30 odd and all these other players Danny Barr and James Chester and all these players who are at the wrong end of their career I just look at it and think that this that it's all balanced wrong for a, for a team that is supposedly wanting to get back up there then there's still a lot of work to do and then Forgive, forgive us, dear listener, that you've had to listen to another one of our quite cathartic rants. Um, I think that we definitely... I No, I don't think definitely that we're going in the right direction. I think that we we need to go in the right direction. And I, and I, and I hope that this is the just early stages of a long-term project. I hope in 12 months' time we are looking at Stoke City with a very different looking squad and performing a lot, lot better on weekends like this. I don't feel it's going to happen, but that is just my pessimism after several long years of watching this Stoke side recently and the misery that it's caused. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. That's a noise. (laughs) <laughs> I mean that is that here is just, how it is yeah. and I think yeah I think yeah. um I think it's the the hard thing is after a week like this where you feel the Barnsley game goes the wrong way and you're like oh okay oh maybe we need to do something different oh oh it's Mikel Allen in the midfield mm-hmm. again and that's that's the thing with O'Neill that you want to know and I mean I don't think any journalists would ask invasive questions like this anymore in football. You'd almost want someone to go, well, why are you picking them? Because Mikel hasn't started a win since mid-November. Like, Why is he still in the team? And it's disrespectful to do something like that. And it's something we can do as a bunch of idiots um, talking into our laptops. <laughs> <laughs> but... I just wish you could get the inner workings of O'Neill's mind because it would put me at ease if it was this idea of, oh, well, we're nearly there. We're still in mm. touching distance of the playoffs. All we need is a win, a good performance. We sneak this, sneak something. But it scares me that that isn't the case and that he's going, oh, I like Mikel. Oh, maybe I'll give him another year. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. just... And then, and then that I, I don't like work, working down that rabbit hole because... Scary. Two home games next week. Swansea and Wickham. What are your, what's your gut feeling on those ones? I mean, at Swansea, again, I feel if... I, I, it, something else we haven't mentioned that is probably a criticism of, of Mon than, that we haven't seen so much with every other manager is that you look at the team and you go... Okay, we're we're losing this game, and I feel everyone did that with the Brentford match, and we were probably yeah. all going, "Oh, maybe not at half time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. There you go, and um, that'll happen again against Swansea. I'd be surprised if it didn't. I'd be really surprised 
if we went with a different squad selection. I wouldn't mind losing against Swansea because I feel a loss against Swansea really sort of doubles down on this idea of mine that it's it's because we're nearly at the playoffs that we keep going with the same idea, same idea, same idea. Um, and maybe losing against Swansea could be a little bit of a blessing and give us, I think it's 12 games after that, where we just get a free run at developing players who will be there for next season and knowing who we've got at the minute who needs to stay, which I feel we did a little bit at the end of last season, like the post, once we'd pulled ourselves together after those first two losses, we sort of did that. Um, And Wickham, I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It's scary. They are terrible. They are absolutely dross, but the fact I'm not confident that we'll beat them shows where we are as a club. I think, uh, do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I say I think we're actually going to win both. I think we'll beat the Wickhams, the Wickhams because uh, because I think that they are they are so bad and I think that even us as incompetent as we are somehow will manage to bluster through it just like we did Wednesday and Luton. And I think we'll beat Swansea because it's written that Joe Allen's going to score two and then everything every criticism that's laid at joe allen is going to get a load of people going oh where's all the haters today then uh and it's going to re- because this is the issue with joe allen is that you <laughs> you can't you can't hold a, a, a middling ground position um and i think that people are quite always looking for a no look there he is he's great we're going to keep him forever and I don't know. Scoring goals against Swansea isn't enough for me, but <laughs> each to their own. I, that's not aimed at anyone in particular. I'm just feeling bitter and angry. <laughs> but I think we might. You know, who am I kidding? I think we're going to lose to Swansea completely. They're a, they're they're another team who are performing well, and we are not at all. It's ugh, so so difficult. So 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 difficult. <laughs> Andrew on Twitter says, is O'Neill going to Celtic? No. No. I, I, no. I don't know they um, can afford his wages. Uh, it would, uh, surprise would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> uh, Alex Ward on Twitter says, is it just me? Or is it disturbing that Ryan Shawcross has the number three at Miami instead of number 17? Yeah, it's wrong. I mean, it's especially wrong, especially when it especially when it's um a number that is like a not a one to eleven number that, that other people wouldn't really be like, oh, that's my number. It's like, yeah, just give him the seventeen. Unless, unless Ryan Shawcross has never saw himself as a seventeen, and we're all the <laughs> You never know. You never know. <laughs> he does strike me as that type of player who got the number and then is like, well, I can't change it now because people have got shirts with it so I'll never change it but I've always wanted to be a three. three, yeah. Oh no oh god <clears throat> <sighs> do you know what Tom I think that's going to wrap us up for today Luke, Bar- uh, Luke Barker on Twitter did want us to discuss the new Pokemon games that are out but uh, that have been announced but in all honesty Luke didn't pay any attention to it so you tell me about it Luke you just give me a- drop me a message tell me about the games because I-, I don't know I'm sure they're great. I like Detective Pikachu. It was a fun little film. 
Um, <laughs> football. It's great, isn't it? Tom, is there anything else you want to chat about? No, no. No, me no. neither. Me neither. Our thoughts, of course, with Tony and his poorly throat. Thoughts with all of you lot for having to watch another week of Stoke. <laughs> and thank you, Tom, for joining me on this rant. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm desperately trying to think of some kind of vaccine pun about Stoke City. Uh, I, I can't think of one. Uh, there we go. That's, there that's... Right in with your vaccine puns. <laughs> all right, that will do. I'll see you all later. Have yourselves a nice week. Stay safe. <sighs> go on, Stoke. Just please go on.